It's the next level. Okay, prove you're not a scroll. That's a photon blast. And? No scroll cannot do that. I'm just supposed to take your word for that. Panels to Pixels, Captain Marvel Review. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And I'm Ben. Yay, Ben's here. Ben's with us. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited. You guys have been doing this podcast on the network for how long now? And I haven't been a part of it yet. Over a yeah. year. Over a year. Yeah. Over really? a year, man. Wow. Yeah. It's been so long. <laughs> family for that long. Wow. I love it. Now it's it's officially next level network now, right? It's it's been next level network for a little bit now. Um, but the website has officially changed to the next level network.com. Okay. Okay. And the Facebook, I, the Facebook page it has as well. It's facebook.com slash the next level network. Okay. That's what I thought. I, I noticed that a, a few weeks ago and, and I was referencing it. I was still putting, saying the radio thing in there. And, and so when I realized it still changed, I was like, Oh, I better start saying it correctly. You, you can. Uh, so for like previous shows and things like that, if, if you have, uh, or if you accidentally say next level radio online.com, it'll still lead you to the website. Okay, okay. So you're still good either way, uh, but the website has changed for uh, for Nick because we're not radio anymore. So you know, exactly. it's podcasting. I like it. Yeah. So really, for me, when when we started talking about doing this review, the first thing I wanted to do uh, from the all the three of us is just get what were your initial thoughts like before you even saw the film when you when you heard they were doing it or when you started to see previews. What were your initial thoughts about Captain Marvel? Uh, for me, um, I, 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 you know what? I was excited. I, I really was because I wasn't too familiar with Captain Marvel as a character, but I knew of her and I knew of her strengths and her abilities. So, and the, so her straight up power, uh, I was very interested to see where they were going to go with it, you know, with doing a, uh, an origin story that takes place before everything that we know already and then leading it into where everything is. And I, I think it played out perfectly the way it happened. And as far as seeing the movie goes, uh, yeah, I want to say I liked it, but I can't. I loved it uh, so much so that I saw it twice. And as I mentioned while we were prepping for this, if I was not on this podcast with you, I would most likely be in a theater right now watching it again. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Well, I was really jazzed about the idea and couldn't wait for the movie to come out. But I was a sucker. <laughs> and I, I hear I heard all about the private screeners and people not being happy about it and thinking that it was bad. Then the Rotten Tomatoes stuff came out, but the movie hasn't even come out. And boy, was I wrong. I loved it. I thought it was great. 
The reviews from real fans were great. It, it shows that, you know, we, we can't rely on anything before the movie comes out. Just go on your own and judge for yourself. Rely on your friends who you trust and that enjoy the film and go on what they thought. Just like you did when I went to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and you listened back to the podcast that you weren't on. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I was, this is one of those movies, I was never really skeptical about it, but I didn't know that much about the character. Cause see, the Captain Marvel that I remember is, is confused in my brain with the Shazam Captain Marvel. Because I remember before he was called Shazam, he was called Captain Marvel on DC. And then the Captain Marvel that I remember was a male. I don't remember a female Captain Marvel. So I was, I was intrigued. Uh, but I went into it really just wanting to enjoy the movie and be entertained. And uh, like I was saying a few minutes ago, uh, there's very few movies I've seen in my life that I really wanted to write, go right back in and see again. And this was one of them. I really wanted to, and I wish I could go see it again right now. I wanted to today and I had to work. I mean, I, I'm putting it up there with you got to, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but like, like Wrath of Khan, like I remember going to see Wrath of Khan for the first time and literally going and waiting outside so we could buy tickets and watch it again immediately after we saw uh, Star Trek two Wrath of Khan. Yeah. So. Very yeah, cool. Definitely. That was cool. So uh, yeah. What was your initial thoughts though? You weren't skeptical. No, I wasn't skeptical about it. I didn't. And when I heard some of the bad things about it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, um, stop me from going to see the movie. It didn't, it didn't take away my entertainment of it. It kind of bothered me that people were bothered. And I, and later on, uh, I want us to talk a little bit about that. If we, if we can, uh, talk a little bit about that controversy and why you guys think there was some not controversy about the review, reviews, but just controversy about, the movie itself. Well, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Black Panther also go through something similar to this as well because of the fact that it was an African-American lead? Uh, See, and, uh, yeah. You know, and not compared to some of the other Marvel heroes, which are, I, I, regrettably to say, I hate using this term because I don't think it's the truth, but whitewashed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's always white male heroes that we see uh, with the females taking the background to co-starring roles. Maybe I didn't pay attention when Black Panther, but I don't, I didn't remember the, this level of anti, um, an anti movement against a movie. I don't, I don't remember hearing that for Black Panther. Maybe it was out there and I just didn't pay attention to it, but I really heard it about this movie. About yeah. People. I don't, I don't think it was to this level at all. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that extreme. Yeah. Which is really weird because. There wasn't there that wasn't there during what Wonder Woman when that came out. No, and and maybe it's you know maybe it's and we can talk about it now. I guess it's it's not. We don't have to wait till later. I, you know maybe do you think it's because of the portrayal that I mean Wonder Woman and I mean I love Linda Carter and that's a she's a sexy woman and Gal Gadot is a sexy woman and I think Brie Larson is beautiful as well. But there's definitely a contrast in the way those characters are presented on the screen and when they were presented in print even. And do you think it, it, that's why there wasn't a backlash against Wonder Woman, but there has been against Captain Marvel just well, because I, of the portrayal of the character? I think part, yeah, I think that that really does have something to do with it. And I think one of the rather unfortunate things about it is when it comes to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman was a character that was very overly sexualized, especially like in the costume. Uh, you know, when she was wearing that costume, she's wearing a skirt and she's got, you know, she's showing cleavage in her uniform. Whereas, 
Captain Marvel wasn't an overly sexualized character at all. She was wearing a complete bodysuit. She showed no skin. She was just basically a badass woman. And I think that's where a lot of people had the problem with it. They didn't want to see a woman come in and take, take control of the situation that I, again, these white male heroes were so dominant in. Especially because of the fact that it's it's very well known that she is going to be a huge part into Endgame and one of the main factors, if not the main factor, of the outcome of the entire story. And I think that's where a lot of misogynistic white male nerds I, I'm I'm a white male nerd, so I can use that term. <laughs> I'm not misogynistic. But you know, I, I think that's where a, a big problem with these misogynistic white male nerds have a problem. Is yeah. because she wasn't sexualized enough for them. I think I and and I I have to agree. I hate to say it. I have to agree. With you. No, I don't hate to agree with you, but I hate that that is out there. I hate that that is even was was even a factor with this movie because it shouldn't have been. That that should have been the last thing that that everybody has had problems with. Like if you want to have problems with the story, if you want to poke poke holes in the plot, if you want to have problems with the acting. I'm fine with all that. You, that's, you can have your opinion, but to just literally out the gate before you've even seen the movie, you know, go against it just because of, of what you just said, because she's not sexualized. Yeah. That, that bothers yeah. me. And, and you, you look at some of the other female characters in the Marvel films. You've got Black Widow and you've got Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch is not an overly sexualized character, but she's not a lead. So the guys don't have a problem with that. You've got Black Widow, who Black Widow is getting her own, is getting her own film where she is going to be the lead. But when it comes to those characters, she is kind of an overly sexualized character. She's, you know, she wears skin tight outfits that show a lot of cleavage. Mm-hmm. So people don't have a problem with that, with her being a lead because she can be sexualized. Yeah. And that's unfortunate in this day and age. That it that really is, is. is what it comes down to. Oh, big time. I, I, I did not see it as a whole sexual thing. I saw it as a character and a character I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't putting the emphasis on the sex. Just on the fact that it was a female lead superhero. No, I, and that's all it should have been. Well, and the reason why you ha- you didn't go into it thinking about the sexualization of the character is because you have dignity. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, you know, and you're not a misogynist. So, yeah, yeah that's the way people should approach it uh, is is you go into it based on the character. I agree with you, Steve, when you said like Brie Larson is a beautiful woman. She is. But when it comes to portraying this character, what I loved about it, and I posted this on my Facebook page too. I am a, I'm a huge fan of Superman. I grew up a mm-hmm. true blooded Superman fan, but upon my second viewing of Captain Marvel, I walked out and I said, yep, she'll kick his ass. Oh yeah, and I agreed with you because I, she's I think just so. a badass woman. It has got nothing to do with the way she looks or the actress portraying her. The character is just a badass, awesome character. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to, to think about it, it, she has harnessed. She's a human who has harnessed the power of one of the Infinity Stones. The only other single character we've had do that is um, Vision. He's the well, only other. Uh, character that was able to take one one stone and and kind of uh, take that in. That is not true, sir. Scarlet Witch's powers also come from a. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. They I, came I apologize. from the the Tesseract. They also came from the Tesseract. 
Okay. I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't, I guess I haven't paid enough close enough attention. Yeah. Her and Quicksilver were created at the beginning of, um, they were teased at the end of, I believe Thor dark world. Um, but they, they were brought into the fold and they were created as a point of the Tesseract. Uh, but they were brought into Avengers age of Ultron with their full abilities that did come in fact from, okay. I never saw dark. I never saw dark world. So that's okay. That's probably why I didn't, I didn't realize you that. have to, so <laughs> no, you, don't. you really don't. Yeah. yeah. Thor. I thought it was entertaining. <laughs> Look, I, I there, there hasn't been one Marvel movie part of the MCU that I've disliked that I've hated. Yeah. I think there are definitely some that are stronger than others, but I haven't hated oh, any yeah. of them. Okay. Well, so I, I said corrected then on, on that, but still she has, she is, is still, has harnessed the power of, of that stone. And that is, is within her. Yes. And that's, you know, one fifth, one sixth of the power that destroyed half the universe. Yeah. So. I mean, her, her abilities, as you know, compared to Scarlet, Witch. Scarlet witches were created as part of the, um, you know, a part of a small part of the Tesseract. Whereas, you know, Captain Marvel's is a big concentrated part of the Tesseract's mm. abilities. So yeah. her powers are definitely a lot stronger than Scarlet witches. Very cool, very cool. But but Scarlet Witch is also another one who is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And a lot yes. of people don't really realize that. Like, she is, uh, so far, the only person who can destroy an Infinity Stone. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Galactus. It, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what happens uh, in the next movie. So uh, let's get into some of our favorite things about it. And I see I did not add anything to the doc. I, I didn't either. <laughs> added more. So, um, uh, but Mark, why don't you go with a few of yours and then uh, Ben and I'll jump in with ours as we. Well, I'm sure Ben and I will, and you, yeah. will probably both agree on the first two. And the first one would be. Stanley's tribute in the beginning of the Marvel mm. with the cinematic intro that 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 just like made my heart flutter and fill with joy, but also be upset at the same time. But that that to me was a a nice, beautiful tribute to a man that's been the big voice for Marvel for all these years. Well, not yeah. just not just a big voice of Marvel, but without him, none of this would exist. Oh, exactly. It, without him, we wouldn't have the Fantastic Four, which we haven't well, even okay, seen let's, in the let's, Marvel universe. Let's not mention the Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not mentioning those movies. You know, to, to, to go along with that, though, I totally agree. I mean, I teared up a little bit. I cheered. I clapped, and there were there was only. I, I'm going to say it this way: there, I was in a maybe I was at a matinee on Friday of it, um, and it was the IMAX uh, matinee, but there was still maybe about three quarters of the, the theater full. And I want to say there was only a handful of people who didn't appreciate that beginning, uh, who didn't clap and cheer when they, when they saw that come out, because if you think about it, he has touched, he touched so many lives. Um, no matter what level of fan you are of comics or of Marvel universe, he was just, you know, a great tribute to him. I loved it. Yeah, I know when when I first saw the my my first viewing of the film, I had no idea that was coming. Um, you know, so it was really brought a smile to my face to see them incorporate him into the opening logo. And then you got the thank you stand after that, mm-hmm. which oh. which kind of hit me. Yeah. But I was still very much overcome with the excitement of 
the seeing the film for the first time that I couldn't really process that too much. My second viewing of the film, however, after the excitement had already diminished because I had seen it and seeing that tribute again, that was when I got really choked up. Yeah. Because that was, it was upon my second viewing of it that it really hit me what that tribute meant. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I'll probably get choked up again the next time I see the movie. I'm not going to. I'm lie. sure. Yeah. I'm sure oh, I will. Oh, same here. Yeah. Definitely. The next one would be Stanley's tribute. Uh, Stanley's cameo. <laughs> yeah. I love Yeah, this reading is- the script of, to Mulrats <laughs> on the train. Mulrats came out in 1995. Yeah. That was so that was so cool to see and again just like there was only a handful of people that didn't clap at the beginning with the tribute. There was only maybe a handful of people in uh, the theater that I was in that realized the importance of that. Like I laughed out loud. And people looked at me funny, like they couldn't figure out what it was. And I, I asked a coworker today uh, who she took her family to go see it. And she didn't know either because she's not a Kevin Smith fan. And so it didn't, it, it didn't have the, uh, uh, the impact on her that it had on, on some of us. But those that are, of us that are Kevin Smith fans, as soon as we saw that, it was just, it was amazing. I loved seeing it. This is, um, this is easily my favorite of Stan's cameos in, oh, in yeah. any of the more oh, universe. Yeah. Uh, it is easily my favorite. And what made this cameo even better was, um, Kevin's reaction to this. Uh, there's a video online of Kevin. It's about 10 minutes long of Kevin actually talking about what this meant to him. And, he mentions about how Kevin Feige actually called him and said, I want to tell you about Stan's cameo in Captain Marvel. And he just thought he was getting a little bit of insight, had no idea it was going to involve him. Uh, and just knowing like he turned into like a blubbering little boy when he saw it, because as Kevin says, like he's spent his life referencing the movies and this is the first time the movies have referenced him. Yeah, exactly. And, I saw that. And I love that. And, and knowing that it was Stan, who he was friends with, and Stan's, I think, very first cameo in almost any film, I think, was Mallrats. Um, oh, was it? No, okay. I, I'm not sure. No, there was one previous. I, I don't know the name of it, but it was an off okay. shoot movie, but he okay. did make a cameo um, before that. It was one of his first then. What I liked, yeah. what I thought about, and, and and you guys can help me out with this, is this the first time the first cameo where he's been Stan Lee. Yes. Because all the other cameos, you know, he's a character within the Mm -hmm. film. This is the first time we saw him be Stan Lee. And as soon as you hear the voice, you don't even see the face. It's covered by the script. You know, Uh, (laughs) all you do is you hear the voice and you know exactly what the voice is. And then you see the top of his head and you see the script and you're just like, Oh, Uh, well, it it brings up a, a very interesting, um, thing too is that it now means that mall rats and the films of kevin smith exist in the marvel universe <laughs> um, that means kevin smith exists in the yes, marvel which means universe exists in the marvel universe uh which made kevin pose the question did he survive the snap <laughs> <laughs> which i think is brilliant I would love to see Kevin Smith take over that role, that cameo role in these. I don't think I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but if it does, panels to pixels called it first, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I would love to see Kevin Smith take over that mantle, but he's been the spokesperson of comics since 
well, the inception of all his movies, honestly. Well, I know, I know it's getting a little bit of off topic too, although not really because it's Stan, but, and, and Kevin, but I, for those people that don't know too, Kevin is not just a huge, you know, advocate for comic books and comic book movies and things like that, you know, working with the flash and, and stuff with DC and also with Marvel. Uh, Kevin is a big reason why Thor Ragnarok turned out the way it did. Uh, he, I, it's, you guys must not know this, but Kevin, I do. Um, Kevin actually did a review of Thor the Dark World, Thor, Thor the Dark World, uh, and he mentioned how you know the movies, the franchise is starting to take itself a little too seriously, uh, and you know it needs a little bit of levity and things like that. And Chris Hemsworth actually read that review, yep. and gave that input to the writers of the film, and said because uh, until Ragnarok. He was actually ready to hang up the hammer and yep. not return. And he, it, yeah, he nice. said to them, he goes, you need to be writing like this because this guy knows what's going yeah, on. And it, of all the Thor movies, Ragnarok is the only one that I actually own. So, And Thor really? Ragnarok is the best one of the Thor movies. Too. Oh, it's the, the most funniest and most action-packed and... You just enjoy it as a whole. But Ragnarok is the kind of movie that it is, mostly in part because of Kevin's review of Thor The Dark World. And Very Chris nice. Hemsworth has come out and admitted that. That's cool. And if not for that review that Kevin did, Ragnarok would not have turned out to be the movie that it was. Very nice. Yeah, it was a tweet that he put out there, though. I was think. it a tweet and not a review? Maybe it was a tweet. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was a tweet. I remember Kevin bringing it up on one of his podcasts, and I thought that was amazing because he goes, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> knows who I am about me. <laughs> and that's, that is really cool. And he, I mean, and you know, Chris said, like, look, this guy is in the mind of nerds who watch these movies. You need to write like this. Mm-hmm. And that's what he took to the producers of the film, and that's what they did. Very cool. Uh, I know first getting back to, to the Captain Marvel movie real quick. Um, my, probably my favorite thing, and this is going to be horrible, uh, is it was only two hours. It was right at, I think, like, I think the official running time is like two hours and four minutes or something yeah. like that. That with, with credits, you know, that's less than two hours. And I'm like, I, I like that. I like not have, not sitting there for three hours. It, I mean, I love if it's a three hour, if it's a good three hour long movie, I love it, but they they kept it tight it was it, it kept moving for me uh there was no it, there was no slowness in the beginning i know some people uh wrote some things about that there it was a little slow in the beginning i didn't think so i i thought it, it kept it moving the whole, the whole time so that's that was for me the first uh m- one of my favorite things of all of it yeah i was i was one of those people that upon my first viewing i felt that maybe like the first quarter of the movie the pacing could have been a little bit faster uh, but upon my second viewing, I kind of changed my mind and I felt like the pace was, was really right. Um, so I've, I've since changed. Sometimes it takes a second viewing to do that. Uh, it didn't diminish that I still loved the movie the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, it just made me love it even more the second time that I saw it. But I'm with you. Like if a movie is, I'll, I'll sit through a three hour long movie as long as it's keeping my attention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but- I, I loved, I loved seeing it at Binning. Um, I, when she first showed up on screen, I was like, that's Annette Benning. And it just, it, it, it amazed me. And I, I, I loved seeing her. And, and unfortunately the character ended up not being a nice character, but, but still, well, or the character she was, the, the supreme intelligence was not nice, but the original <laughs> character that she was playing was not, it's, it's very meta. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure Annette Benning is a great person in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but the character she's playing was not. Yeah. Well, the main, well, no, actually, the real character she was playing was a was, good person. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you hit it. You had it right. Um, so, well, didn't she marry somebody who was in a comic book movie at one point? Were she uh, and Warren Beatty married when he did Dick Tracy? Were they married? No, I think I, I, I think Warren Beatty. That was before. Yeah, okay. that was before they they were that Dick Tracy was before they were married. I think he was dating Madonna at the time. Yeah, he was, okay. and uh, uh, during that whole Madonna Truth or Dare, yeah, thing, <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, I think she just wanted to one up him on that <laughs> to get better <laughs> a better movie than he did with Dick Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. Well, she, I think she's still married to Warren Beatty. She is. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What were some of your favorite? We'll get some more of yours, Mark, here in a second. What about you, Ben? What were some of your favorite things in the movie? That you just- well, I mean, seeing, and this is really showing my age, but at the same time, not. Like, the, the film being set in the eight, in the 90s was a lot of fun for me because there were so many references, even more so that I recognized the second time around, uh, you know, from you know, people still using pay phones, which they don't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, to when she creates the device, uh, you know, using a game boy, um, you know, blockbuster video, uh, seeing some of the movies, which though, I'm sorry, I used to manage a blockbuster video. That was a horrible blockbuster video because none of the movies on the show for an alphabetical order. <laughs> I paid attention to that and that bothered me. I don't know why. Um, I wanted to slap the manager of that blockbuster video. Um, and they were not in categories either. I want to bring that up too. Yeah. White stuff was across the island from true lies. No, yeah. no, not happen. Um, but yeah, seeing a lot of the nineties references was a lot of fun for me. And one of the other things I really loved, um, one of the two other things I'll make mention that I really loved about the movies, the soundtrack was great. Uh, you know, from No Doubt to Hole and Nirvana, like it was such a phenomenal soundtrack that they brought a lot of fun to with the movie. But there's a particular scene, and I don't want to spoil too much for anybody who hasn't had the chance to see it, but the train chase scene to me kind of took me out of a Marvel movie just enough that it reminded me of a chase scene from a 90s action film. Like it felt like something that you would have seen in like Lethal Weapon or Beverly Hills Cop. Like it really put like a nineties action movie feel in particular. And then it went right back to a Marvel movie, which I was fine with. Yeah. I love, I love that, that whole chasing. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, fan of, of bullet and of the French connection. And uh, uh, so seeing that, that chase scene with the car and him watching the train, um, I I love, I love that whole, that whole scene of that. And, and when him when him figuring out that Colson, you know, when Colson calls him on the phone and he realized, or on the, the radio and, uh, which is another nineties reference right there. Colson called from a cell phone to <laughs> Nick Fury's CB radio. So he had to be patched through, but, uh, uh, and him realizing that Colson wasn't, wasn't Colson, uh, in the car with him was great. Yeah. But just, you know, from the nineties soundtrack to that nineties feel of a chase scene that we got, uh, they were two of probably my favorite element elements of this film. Yeah. And I, I love, just like you said, that was part of my love of the film about the nineties references and everything. The music was a big tonal, the cars in there too. If you look at the cars and everything during the chases, definitely about the, yeah. <laughs> When it, when they were dealing with the download, 
for the CD. <laughs> that was great. That what, was what that was. <laughs> The only, like, the only, what's thing, that the only thing we were missing was like a dial-up tone for AOL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I know. Did have that, didn't it? I think there was a bit of that. Yeah, that soundtrack in there. The the dial-up. Okay, I must have missed uh, it. I think it was. I, I got. To, I might be wrong on that, but I think I did hear that. And I was. I like, thought I, I did was too. Like, what? <laughs> so, I remember. You know, I I was. I grew up in the '80s, but I was in the military in the '90s, so I I had those kind of dial-up tone thing where you know somebody else in the, in the room picks up the phone and you're like, no, don't pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just ruins your connection. Exactly. I've already been waiting an hour for this picture to download. Now I got to start it over. <laughs> I'm not going to mention what kind of picture it was. <laughs> it's a flurkin. That's right. Um, yeah, and you know what? One of the other things that I really enjoyed about this film was just the, the story in general it, because it was one of those things that wasn't what it seemed, um, you know, which I don't think has been done in a Marvel film yet. Uh, and it brought a lot of heart and emotion to the end of the movie outside of, you know, just what Carol Danvers stands for, you know, and her friendship and such with um, uh, now that character is completely blank and animated. Marvel. No, not Marvel. Um, the human. Um, um, yeah. the, the, the other pilot. I yeah. can't remember. Oh, Rambo. Rambo. Yes. Rambo. Yeah. Um, but the whole twist with the scrolls and, um, and the Cree, I thought was fantastic. It, you know, to flip the story on its head like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, if you paid attention to the Marvel story, the MCU storyline, you could have called it happening, but especially because of the reoccurring characters that we got from another Marvel film that we've already seen. But I, I just, I loved that story and, and how it flipped it. And it, it just brought so much heart to the story that I just, I was a fan. Well, that was like, I, I, it wasn't until I came home and I looked, I looked up the IMDb, the, the characters, because I couldn't remember the guy's name, the guy with the little beard, Korath. Um, Korath, yeah. We saw, we see him in Guardians of the Galaxy as part of Ronin's Who? army, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and so when I saw him in, in that Cree uniform with those, with 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 Dan with Vers and it's so stupid that name Vers of Ears. I I was so confused. It took me back to Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Major, yeah, yeah. Um, I kept getting confused because like, wait a minute, he's a bad guy. Why is he part of this? Like, yeah, like it, it took me a bit. Uh, and so I I like that you mentioned that because it was a great twist that it kept me guessing even through the movie. Kind of going, wait a minute, wait. Ronan, he's a bad guy. Why are these? Wait, this is the, are these good guys? And I was like, oh wait a minute, I guess they're not good guys. And then you find out, you know, that really both sides are bad, really to some degree. To some degree, yeah. Neither one of them is really great, but uh, but one is worse than the other, I guess. Well, they they said I think the head scroll at the time stated that there was sections of the scrolls and they were part of like a ragtag group that didn't really side with all those others and that's what they were trying no, to do. No, I mean it was it was basically it was Talos um who was played by Ben Mendelsohn beautifully by the Oh way. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um and I love Ben Mendelsohn especially since Ready Player 1. Like he's just a fantastic actor. But uh, no, it was basically you're right. The scrolls hands were not clean, but they were forced to do what they did because of the creed. They were basically refugees 
mm-hmm. were forced to evacuate planets or be killed. Um, and it turned yeah. from forced to evacuate into just automatically being killed. The Kree right. wanted to eliminate them. So, ba- so everything that they were doing when it came to killing the Kree, it was basically self-defense. It's, it's not right, but it's just this, this section of the scrolls are like that, not the entire. Scroll. No, they were the only scrolls that were left. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I'm understanding. See, I'm, I'm confusing it with the, the old Marvel storyline with the scrolls. Yeah. No, in the film, they were oh. basically the last okay. of the scrolls. Okay. They were the last of their colony of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, they, they were the ones that were basically fleeing to just get the hell away from everything. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but it, it was, uh, yes, their hands were not clean either. But the the Kree's hands were much dirtier, right? Oh, definitely. Um, because oh, yeah. it, it was because of the Kree that the scrolls' hands were dirty in the first place, right? Um, Mark, you had something else here that I think we would be good to discuss. Oh yeah, seeing how Fury loses his eye, <laughs> the, the flirking, <laughs> scratching him was something that I've been pondering about for a long time due to the ads that Marvel was doing with the posters. We saw that cat. All the time. It was made clear that he was an important, really important thing in the trailers. So I'm like, all right. But people were negating that all the time. And I'm like, and when it happened, I'm like, really? I was right the whole time. I was really? a little, that was the only thing that I kind of criticized the first time until I went back and, and read some, some of the things and, and saw some reviews uh, about it. I was, I was kind of like, huh? The scratch, the cat scratch took out his eye. Come on, guys. You can figure it out. But then when I started reading more about the Flurkin, and um, especially I saw one review online that pointed out, and I don't know which movie it's in, but when Nick Fury is talking to Captain America and he says, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. And when yeah. he when he's looking at the cat, when she scratches him, he says, I'm going to trust you that you're going to, Oh, uh, I didn't even pick and up the, on and that. And then, and then the cat scratches him, and uh, I didn't pick it up either. Like I said, this is not me. This was some reviewer on YouTube uh, that picked up on it and picked up on that line from that one of the Avengers movies where Nick Fury says, "You know, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye." That's so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That when I saw that, it, it made it, it made it even more perfect. And uh, someone else uh, brought up online the fact that he doesn't why he doesn't choose a glass eye to wear is because he wears that eye patch so that no scroll could ever uh, mimic him because they don't know what's under the eye patch. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, it would make sense. It, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It would, yeah, definitely. It would absolutely makes sense. Um, it's funny because as we're talking about this, I'm adding a goose Funko pop to my cart on Amazon. Oh, I want to. Get, oh, which I one? To get that. <laughs> it's 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 a Funko Pop Marvel Captain Marvel Goose the Cat toy multicolor. Nice. Um, and they also have the Captain Marvel and uh, Nick Fury, uh, young Nick Fury Funko Pops as well. Nice. They did such a good job on that on on young 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 younging them, making them look. I don't know the CGI to make de-aging. them look younger. Yeah, de aging is that what it is? <laughs> well, I mean, and and you're right because. You know, with the exception of, I think this is probably the first time, like we've seen it a number of times throughout other Marvel films. We've gotten younger versions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of, of Robert Downey Jr. in, um, 
Avengers Civil War. We, you know, we've gotten younger versions of other characters as well. This is the first time I think it's been the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. They did, yeah. they did a short scene of Kurt Russell in, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Yeah. Two. Um, but yeah, this is the first time that they've had to maintain it through a whole movie. And I think they did a really good job. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm just loving the fact that the whole, uh, the last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. Uh, I'm going to trust you. Yeah. Element. That's just yeah. that's brilliant. I, I, I love, and I'll get to one of my, another one of my favorite things is Nick Fury is the character is seeing the character of Nick Fury before he became <laughs> this bitter, uh, kind of guy who lost an eye, seeing him kind of have, have fun with, uh, uh, Captain Mar- with Brie Larson there at the beginning when he approaches her at the phone booth, at the phone booth, and, she, and he's like, Yeah, someone was dressed for laser tag. And she's like, Oh, I don't think I've seen anybody like that around here. <laughs> and he tries to walk away, and he's like, Um, no, not so fast. <laughs> so I, I really liked that, uh, about, uh, that, just that character of Nick Fury getting to see sort of that side of him that we've never seen before in a Marvel movie was, was amazing to me. Yeah, he is, yeah. he is a little bit more lighthearted um, and not as super serious or mistrusting in this film. And I, it really plays off well because the humor is something else that I absolutely loved, uh, you know, from the film. And the chemistry between him and Brie Larson when it came to that w- was fantastic. I mean, not just the humor, but through the end, it, it's one of those reasons as to why when he when, when she plays into Endgame, I'm looking forward to the day, you know, to the time when Fury returns mm-hmm. because I want to see what the reaction is going to be because, you know, while Fury has been a big element as to putting the Avengers together, he's kind of more their boss. But when it comes to Carol, I think he's more a friend. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's, that's going to be a really cool and it makes, it makes total sense that her first two words when she comes back would be where's fury where's fury yeah you know exactly That's, those end credits yeah was uh yeah yeah that 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 floored me i was like uh, well you knew it was coming i mean you knew there was going to be some kind of end credit scene that was going to tie it to end game uh but yeah but i mean even though we knew it was something that was going to happen to to be the pager be the first thing that we see in that end credit uh tying it to the end of uh infinity war and then the the end of it being, you know, uh, Black Widow turning around and seeing, you know, Brie Larson seeing Carol and her only words are, where's Fury? Fade to black. That is a perfect setup for Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I loved it. I loved seeing Paul Rudd. Uh, was it Paul Rudd? Who's, hey, that blinky thing is not blinking anymore. No, no, no. That was, uh, uh was that, Ruffo? that was Rhodes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, who said that? And then, and then Ruffalo trying to, to get the battery back working on it again. And, uh, it was just really, good. yeah, please send it again. Yeah. That's what they were saying. Seeing all those, those kids that, that in credit. And I did not actually see, I, unfortunately, I felt, I felt bad. I had to go to the bathroom. So I, I got up and I actually missed the puking up of the Tesseract. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm glad they got that there at the end because that explains, you know, where we're going to see. Uh, how the Tesseract got where it is. Cause it's, it's, it has had quite a, uh, 
you know, oh, it's it has the most interesting timeline of any of the Infinity Stones. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's the one Infinity Stone we've seen more than any. Yeah, not even the Power Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, going back to the whole, uh, you know, Rhodey saying about the blinky thing, and uh, you know, seeing Captain Marvel, it begs a big question that I've seen online from the previous Avengers trailer and game trailer that we saw, not the most recent one, uh, and this one is who returns to the Avengers first. Is it uh, Scott Lang or is it Carol Danvers? Because we know they both approach the Avengers at some point, but neither one of them has shared a scene together yet. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. is, has Scott Lang come back first and is he with the Avengers when Captain Marvel shows up or is Captain Marvel already with the Avengers when Scott Lang shows up? Yeah. And that's going to be interesting with that whole, with the whole in the preview that we saw. And and I hope this doesn't spoil anything for people who don't like to watch previews, but the preview for in game showing that Scott Lang has somehow traveled through time and that he's on a, you know, he's on a security video from years before, but yet we know he's going to be in in game because we've seen him. You know, we know Is, is that security footage from years before? That's what they it said. It shows 1985, but that's a speculation. It could just be a call number. Yeah. We don't know. It could be. It could be. I, I brought that up previously because if you look at the road, it looks disheveled in comparison to where the there's asphalt on the road to lead up to the headquarters. So we don't know exactly what had happened. Is he able to flow through time just like he was before? Or did he just show up and everything was devastated? We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll find out. But but I think you that's you make a good point, uh, Ben. Of of you know who's going to come back first, and we know that it's got to happen fairly early in the movie because they're still talking about all the missing. You but know. you know what though? I think we're going to get a. I think this movie is going to jumpstart. I really do. I think we're going to get maybe a. 15 to 20 minute, you know, somber moments of them dealing with everybody. And then I think this movie is going to go right into it. And I think and it's going to be three hours and it's going to end. <laughs> but you know what, though? It's going to be nonstop. Oh, yeah. And if it's a three hour runtime, I'm perfectly fine with it. I mean, not just the fact that it's it's going to be an action packed movie. But when you consider this is the culmination of 10 years, uh I don't care if there are low moments in the movie or not. I will sit through a three, three and a half hour long movie. Yeah. If it, because it is the culmination of everything. And it is kind of funny going back to something we mentioned earlier. It is kind of funny that she picks up the right stuff uh, yes. in that blockbuster because the right stuff was one of the, it was the first movie I ever saw that had an intermission in it. Because um, <laughs> I'm going to age myself again. I went and saw the right stuff in the movie theater when I was, however old I was. And um, I remember having to go out to the lobby to call my mom and tell her the movie is longer than what we thought. It's got an intermission. You can't pick us up until X time or whatever, whatever it was. And my mom having and my mom going, okay, all right. And then having to come, I think I was 12 or 13 or something like that. When we went and saw this, the, the right stuff and uh, getting that intermission in the middle of it was like, what? Well, yeah. end, Endgame's not going to have an intermission, is it? They've joked. They've they've they te- joked about they've it. They teased about it, so that they See, might I, have it. I don't want it. I, I, I really I, don't. I don't want an intermission. I don't think they need it. I think audiences today can can go the full. I mean, uh, what uh, didn't uh, Hateful Eight have an intermission? But he just did that just because it was kind of an old timey. Well, no, not um, not Hateful Eight. It not, was um, 
uh, oh god, what is it? it? It's it was Death Proof and Planet Terror. Um, oh yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Hate, yeah, I think Hateful Eight had one also. Did it? I didn't see Hateful Eight in theaters, so it's. I, I think I think Hateful Eight did have an intermission, but it wasn't because it was three hours. It was because of the because Grindhouse. The, um, yeah, the Grindhouse one yeah. did also. But that was actually two movies put together. Yes. Yeah. Right. But whereas Hateful Eight, I think Hateful Eight had one um, because it actually, when it first went out, it actually was out on film. It wasn't a digital projection. They actually had, so they actually were going to have to change reels. Okay. And stuff for it. Oh, wow. I believe that I could be wrong on that, but I do, I do know it had intermission because I went and saw that at the theater. Okay. All right. Makes sense. I, yeah, I didn't, that's one I didn't see in theaters. Um, uh, mainly because I was, I know we're getting off topic, but I was kind of turned off by Django because yeah. uh, I fell asleep during Django. I hadn't, se- <laughs> I hadn't seen Django, so I didn't, I, I will say I'm not a big fan of Hateful Eight either, but, uh, at that time I hadn't seen Django yet. I, I liked Hateful Eight. I just, because I fell asleep during Django, I was like, mm, no, I'll wait and watch Hateful Eight at home. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. And I did that. I did the same thing too. <laughs> and because the funny thing is I fell asleep during hateful eight for like a good half hour. And when I woke up, didn't miss a goddamn thing. Oh, you mean Django? <laughs> Django, and Django. During Django yeah. 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 I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I woke up like a half hour later. Didn't miss anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, back on topic. Yeah. You guys got anything else uh, from uh, favorite things of the, the Captain Marvel movie that we haven't brought up yet? Well, the only one thing I would have, because we covered everything else that I had left, would be Project Pegasus being brought up in the MCU. Yeah. That that was proper in the comic. It was originally a prison for super beings and used for testing in comics. Actually, that's where Deathlock came from. But they're using him in a... I think it's past that now. I haven't been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a long time. But uh, they had him in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. But this Project but, Pegasus has been in the MCU. We just have it. It hasn't been on the forefront. They've talked about it. We've seen it in the background of, uh, in fact, in that same video that I was referencing that, that talked about the trusting thing, there's a scene in one of the Iron Man movies where um, Tony Stark is running down all the, the information he wants, and he says, Project Pegasus. Exactly. Yeah, they just mentioned so, it, but this is the first time we saw yeah. like a, a presence. Oh yeah, it. up front. Yeah. This is the first time we've actually seen what was going on and who was involved and that kind of stuff. Exactly. The only thing that I could bring up that would be interesting would be the fact that Captain Marvel it was actually filmed after they finished Endgame. Yes. And before they started doing reshoots. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that. So, yeah, that it was an interesting fact because. They weren't sure of what they were going to do with Carol Danvers in Endgame because they weren't sure if they were going to make her the ultimate takedown or just somebody who's going to be part of the takedown. Huh. Interesting. Well, I think, so. yeah, because the, the, I, I'm hearing different things in that there are one of two key players when it comes to stopping everything in Endgame, uh, Carol Danvers being one of them, the other one actually being Scott Lang. Um, who is going to be playing a big part of it because of his ability to time travel uh, in the quantum realm. Yeah. So it's, it's going to play out. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's equal, it's going to take both of them to pull it off. Um, but yeah, as you, as you mentioned, you know, Captain Marvel being filmed after Endgame, while we are still going to get one more Stan Lee cameo in Endgame, 
in truth, this one that we got in Captain Marvel was the final one he filmed. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that's what I heard as yeah. well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because from what I understand is he was actually very weak at the time he filmed this one, and it was only a couple months later that he passed. Oh, okay. Okay. So this this was the one. It's not going to be the last time we see him, but it was the final one he filmed. Yes. So um, the only other thing I want to bring up, and it was something that kind of came to my mind upon the second time viewing, and I want to get your opinion on it uh, because I haven't read into this or anything, and I haven't thought uh, looked into it any further. But the jet that they take from Project Pegasus and they use to go into space and such, it, is this or is this not an early version of what will become the Avengers Quinjet? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought, but I didn't – it's never called a Quinjet, um, and the look does look a little different to the Quinjet that we see in Avengers Endgame. Uh, but I think it is very similar to the one we see in the first Avengers Yes, it looks very similar. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Now, now that you mentioned it, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it before. But now that you mentioned, it, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense too. That it would have been in, coming from Project Pegasus, and it would have been involved in that. Especially if, um, if Fury actually does name it the Avengers Initiative after, which we hadn't brought that up yet. But I thought that was a really cool kind of Easter egg there. That Carol Danvers, her call sign was Avenger. And mm-hmm. it looks like it seems like that's what Fury, because he started to have the Protector Initiative, and he he's going to change it to the Avenger. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly oh. what it is. Uh, so I, I think exactly. that's really really cool uh, that we got to we get to see the origin of that for the MCU anyway of where that Avengers uh, came from because that that makes a lot of sense. I love that. Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm glad I, I'm. I'm glad that is the case because again, that was something I, I picked up on the second view when I saw the jet and I was like, wow, man, that looks a little like an early Quinjet. And so uh, apparently that's what it is. It's, it's an early, an early vision before it becomes the Quinjet. And why Stark really has a little, a little hatred towards other people <laughs> doing other things that he does. Yes. Um, so we had, we had one piece of feedback that, that I pulled out. I know we had, we had some other people say that they were going to give some feedback, but I didn't see it. Um, the only feedback that I really found was we got from Jason. Uh, and this is what Jason said. He said, I really wanted to love it because I liked the message, but I thought the plot was choppy. Carol's character not developed. Well, the chemistry between Carol and fury felt forced. I didn't like how they handled the scrolls. Though thought Brie Larson's delivery was was kind of weird a lot of the time, and I loved her in Room, and thought most of the jokes weren't funny. One of my least favorite Marvel movies. I didn't hate it though. Had some good moments, better than Batman versus Superman. Well, that's not saying a lot. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's, <laughs> that's pretty a lot. And uh, I, I would say I, the only thing I would say to Jason is is uh, I respect your opinion, sir, and go see it again. I I don't think. You know, I, I don't think the plot was choppy. I thought the, the plot was really was really well developed through the movie. I thought Carol and Fury had some great chemistry, as Ben, you've already said that yourself. Um, I think her delivery, her actor, the way she portrayed the character may have felt a little forced because she was portraying a character who is suddenly finding out that her memories are not what she thought they were. And so I think if it came across as forced, I didn't, it didn't look that way to me. It, it didn't seem that way to me, but I could see how she was playing it that way of she's suddenly been pushed into this sudden part, this thing where she doesn't know what's real and what's not. 
I, mean, I just you- I, I just like the fact that Jason's feedback and I love Jason. So Jason, no offense to you at all if you listen to this. <laughs> but you know, when he says like oh the delivery was weird and the jokes weren't funny, I didn't hate it though. Really? Because <laughs> it kind of sounds like you did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the jokes were funny. I loved the humor in it. It was probably one of my favorite things. I this 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 is going to go up there in my top, you know, Marvel movies. I love the ones that have um, have humor in them. Uh, Mark and I just did a podcast a few a few months ago of our favorite top five favorite Marvel movies, and you know, for me, the ones that have the humor in the Guardians ones are are some of my favorites. So. Well, I mean, like, you know, in particular, just like as an example of the great chemistry and the humor that's in the movie is when, you know, Carol and Fury, uh, not Nicholas, are sitting at a table, you know, questioning each other to find out that they're not a scroll. And when, when he turns to her and says, okay, you need to prove it now. And she fires a photon blast at the jukebox. The fact that Fury never even turns around to look at the jukebox and his reaction is, and? girls can't do that girls can't do that like i that scene sticks out in my head because it's brilliant i like i absolutely love it well and i love the other the other scene that i love is them in the car when he says uh, when he says noble noble warriors and she says noble heroic warriors noble warrior heroes oh yeah warrior heroes that's what i knew that she had the hero in there uh very very pointedly she had the hero thing in there because uh (laughs) so uh, yeah i i thought they i thought they were great together and and i can't like i'm i'm with you i'm more and more excited to see what she's gonna think of bald one-eyed fury (laughs) Can you, can you fly this thing? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yes yeah. Oh, yeah. No it's question. Back to me. <laughs> I guess I can. Yes, I can. Yeah. Well, the best I think was uh, when they were interrogating her and trying to go through her mind. She got. She escapes, and then she's running around. She's barefoot. And then she realizes, oh, crap, I got to go get my boots. Yeah. 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 I just that 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 fight scene between her and and Ben Mendelsohn uh, is really great when she when she fights the supreme intelligence, when she takes the inhibitor off, you know, is a is a great scene. And and we realize that when she finds that figures out that that you guys are the ones who've been limiting my power. I'm not going to let you limit my power anymore. And then. I mean, I, I choked up a little bit because I had I had started to think about it every time they showed a flashback of her, but we see her get up, and then you go back to all the flashbacks, and they focus in on the the point that she gets up after all of those falls. I I know. compare that scene, and you're right. That is such a moving scene of her getting up from all those falls and then fighting the supreme intelligence. I put that in scene in comparison to the no man's land scene in Wonder Woman. Mm. It, is, nah, yes. it is such a powerful scene. And it's like, I didn't get choked up, but man, the chills and the goosebumps I had mm-hmm. from her getting up, fighting back, saying, I've been fighting with one hand tied behind my back. And then like her just completely flaming up, no reference to Human Torch. Um, <laughs> you know, but like seeing that and then just the fact that from that point on, Every fight scene that she has, she's having fun with it. Yeah. Like, she's like, you know, I was waiting. And, like, just seeing her sitting up on the railing, dangling her legs with a with a lunchbox, with a Fonzie lunchbox in her in her hand, like, was just so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And there's one part of the movie that really made me smile, but I wish it went on longer, is when she learned to fly on her own. Her falling down, falling from the sky, coming down, and she just gets absorbed and just shoots out like a star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and people, you know, I, I saw something on, online that people thought it was a goof at the end that she doesn't put her helmet on when she's outside of the spaceship. And I think it's because she doesn't need her helmet anymore at that point. If yeah, you I think notice, you're right. I, I don't think she needs it anymore. She's the, the hair is flowing behind her, and she's like, I don't need that. I'm just going to go. I'm part of space, you know. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, there's just – there's so many of those cool little moments. I mean, from the moment when she's like just shooting all the ships out of the sky, when, when the accusers are there mm-hmm. and she just happens to fly in front of the one, she puts her fists together. Like she punches her, her palm and it sends out that big burst. And you just see Ronan turn to the other accuser, like it's <laughs> all crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're leaving. Yep. You know, we'll be back, but we're going to leave. <laughs> back to the portals. <laughs> and what's cool about that scene though, is you look at Lee Pace, he actually looks very, very, very young. They they made him look younger. Yeah. Specifically yeah. for the role uh for that scene. It does pose a question though, and I'm curious as to your opinion, is you know, when when Ronan the accuser leaves and he says, We'll be back for the weapon, and he's referring to Carol this time, the next time we see Ronan is in Guardians of the Galaxy and he is defeated. Do we think that a Captain Marvel sequel could still take place before could still be in the past? And it yes. could take place before all the events of the Infinity War. I think so, because it's going to be part of her development. I, I think it, where she was, where she is, when we see her in Endgame. I think it could, but it would have to, I think it's going to have to either take place only a small part on Earth. Um, oh, yeah. I, or, I think or not, not take place. Yeah, like take place out of, out in the, the universe somewhere where Ronan. Uh, runs into her. Out. I mean, in, in essence, it's kind of very similar to Wonder Woman again in that fact that Wonder, the Wonder Woman sequel is still taking place before the events of Justice League in that it's in 1984. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah, I, I think I think you could, you bring up an interesting point that that would be a, a fun um, a, yeah, that'd be an interesting way to look at it and that would be an interesting sequel to see who they would include in that sequel. Well, because who is in Guardians of the Galaxy? What's the planet that um, they give the Tesseract to at the end? Um, it's not the it, I don't Nova. No, it's the Nova Corps. That's right. Yeah, the Nova um, Corps. Right. Because it, it, it'll be interesting because we know the Nova Corps deal with the Kree in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So what has progressed in that? It's I think it's obviously because of Captain Marvel that the Kree's intentions are now out there. And that's why yeah. we do have the. It could be interesting to see that the Nova Corps came about because of this. Could be that'd be interesting. So I think it would yeah. be. I think it would be kind of cool to see a Captain Marvel sequel, but in essence, it's still a prequel to the MCU. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully bring in Nova itself. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> you brought in Nova. Come on, that would be awesome. Yeah, we need that. We need that. Character. I mean, we already know we're getting um, Adam. Yeah, Adam Warlock is coming. Yeah. yeah, 
but yeah, to bring in Nova would be, would be kind of cool too, which again would kind of explain the now existence of the Nova Corps. Well, yeah. the Nova Corps is not there anymore as we right. found out in Infinity War. Um, but it could be an interesting, um, twist to see how they came about. But yeah, and, and there's a, oh, that was another thing that was in that video was they talked about the fact that when, you know, when, uh, they could include the Guardians of the Galaxy in that because remember when he's talking about his scars, he says, a Cree girl did this to me. Uh, uh, Quill does. Yes. One of his scars came from a Cree girl, uh, that he was with. And there was speculation in this video that it could be Captain Marvel because him thinking that she's a Cree. But not realizing that she's not a Cree, that she's just it could also be Minerva. Or it could have been Minerva. It could be <laughs> could have been Marvell. Who knows? Oh God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Mar-Vell, but... I don't think it was Marvell. I think it would be a nice little twist if you found out it was Minerva. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So but yeah, it's the movie's just a lot of fun. And talking about it, I, I wish I could have seen it again today. Yeah, I, I, I'm, it makes me want to see it again more. So I, I, I think Monday that. I'm going to be hitting the theaters again to go see Very it. Very cool. Well, so we've got some other notes here uh, that we of things we want to bring up. So we got comic talk actually. Yeah. And uh, Ben, you found out today and shared that James Gunn oh. has been reinstated to the Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I am 3. so happy about this. This was such a misstep in, in in Disney's case to take him out because of something that he had done years ago and apologized for already because of this. Um you know, it, I understand Disney's stance, you know, in being a family entertainment company and wanting the distance else from that. But I mean, when you have people that are boycotting guardians of the galaxy, because James Gunn is no longer there, you have actors from the movie who no longer want to take part in it. Uh, you know, you had a number of them saying, well, if you're not at least going to use his script, we're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, for Disney to do this and out of the blue, like it wasn't even like we got word of Disney's in talks to reinstate James Gunn. It came out of nowhere. And it was such a surprise, but it was such a fantastic surprise. Yeah. That I'm like to me, and I put it this way when I posted it in one of the spots that I put, because I posted it in a couple of different spots. Um, but I posted it in one, uh, and it really speaks true. The heart of Guardians of the Galaxy has been put back. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Completely I agree. Yeah. Because he yeah. is the heart of that movie. The, the cast is fantastic, and the cast following his lead gives that even more heart and, and add to that heart. But he he was the one that went to bat for this franchise and got this franchise started. Without James Gunn, there would be no Guardians of the Galaxy films. Yeah. So yeah. for you to do the injustice that you did to him, Disney, and kick him out was a big misstep that pissed off a lot of people, but thankfully they've done right. They've corrected it. And not only is he back to Guardians of the Galaxy three, but he is still, still signed on as director for suicide squad. Nice. Yeah. Well, they, he can't do guardians three until he finishes suicide. Squad. And suicide squad, I think is going to production relatively soon. Yeah. Before the end. Probably very cool. (laughs) Yeah. And they'll probably force it to be finished sooner (laughs) or he will. (laughs) <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm still confident he's going to bring a new take to that movie. And 
uh, I can't wait, especially considering right now that Will Smith, unfortunately, had to drop the role of Deadshot because of scheduling conflict conflicts. Uh, yeah. But the potential replacement uh, is, amazing. is amazing. And that's yeah. Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I, I, I want to watch Suicide Squad again um, just just because of that. So. It's a fun movie. I mean, you know, it, I like is. It. It, it makes more sense. If you see the director's cut with the extended minutes, it makes more sense than it did in the theaters. So, yeah, I just wasn't yeah. crazy about the Joker at all. Yeah, I'm still not. Yeah, that same here. I, I wasn't happy with the Joker, but we got a Joker movie coming out soon. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I thought so, it's a Red Hood movie though is it? is it no not that i know not that I, <laughs> i'm kidding I, i'm kidding yes. <laughs> that would be interesting uh but yeah so happy that that james gunn has been reinstated as director of, of guardians of the galaxy 3 and uh you brought well you could bring up the next news oh uh yeah Stephen amell uh officially confirming something that we've predicted on our podcast dc primetime for months now in that uh season eight of arrow will be the final season of arrow uh it will be a short season of 10 episodes which we didn't predict we didn't think it was gonna be a short season but when it comes to our prediction as to why arrow is ending yeah totally makes sense yeah. And that is with the announcement of Crisis on Infinite Earths being next year's crossover and most likely Oliver Queen being the sacrifice to oh. to end it. Uh, I think it makes sense that you wouldn't want to do a full season of Arrow because you're not going to have your lead. Yeah, it, exactly. And it sounds to me like they're like the CW would wrap up soon after that well with some of the shows no, well too. here's here's the thing that we've talked about on our podcast and i'll, I'll go into this for a minute and then i'll i'll go turn it over but we, now we talk about these shows on our podcast every week we talk about supergirl flash arrow legends of tomorrow um and did i mention oh yeah that, yeah four shows that's right um and batwoman's going to be starting next year Yes. You know, these shows have been going for a while. Arrow's wrapping up next year. There's rumors of Legends wrapping up next year as well. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths is arguably one of the largest storylines you can do. Uh, it, so I think what it, I think what the Arrowverse needs right now is a huge shakeup. Um, you're going to have two shows ending. You're going to have one show that's continuing with a number of cast members rumored to be leaving. Uh, if not before crisis, then immediately afterwards, because you've got Carlos Valdez and Danielle Panabaker talking about leaving at the end of this season. Uh, and Tom Cavanaugh talking about leaving after crisis. I think mm -hmm. if they're smart, and this is what we've talked about on our podcast, you need to shake things up. Steven's leaving because he wants to spend more time with his family and he wants to pursue other projects, which you can't blame him. It's been eight years. Seven years. It will be seven and a half by the end of next year. Um, you know, so you can't blame him. He's, he's producing stuff. He wants to work on other movies. So the, the thing that we're talking about, which I think the CW would be really smart to do is when Arrow ends and Crisis on Infinite Earths and wraps up, I think you, you talk Carlos Valdez and Daniel Panabaker into sticking it out until after Crisis. You've only got 10 more episodes you have to film after that. So just stick it out for a little bit longer, finish out this crisis, and then we could be done with it. When those seasons wrap up next year, you cancel them all. Cancel all these shows, but you create a new show. Yeah. You call it World's Finest. 
you literally are creating your Justice League television show. You have somebody suit huh. as the new Green Arrow because you'll have the ability to do that because Oliver will be gone. Uh, and even if you want to find a way to bring Oliver back, that's fine. You have the Flash, you have Batwoman, you have Supergirl. You basically have your core members of the Justice League already in some way, shape, or form. Not only that, but they've hinted at a Green Lantern in that being John Diggle from another Earth was wearing a Legion, was wearing a lantern ring. Um, so if Crisis on Infinite Earths brings all these Earths together, which is what happens in the comic books, you've got Supergirl now on the same Earth with all of these other characters. Whatever character John Diggle was as a lantern, you now have a lantern on this Earth as well. You have your Justice League. And not only that, but speaking from a production point of view, you have a number of characters on one show. You don't have to have them all in every episode, which frees up all of their schedules to do other projects while they're still doing this show. And you free up a ton of production money because you are now only doing one show instead of five which means you can do so much more with that one show and still have money left over and time slots to work on other show projects to bring in other shows to the CW. Very true. So yeah. in, in our opinion, the more we think about it, as much as I love the flash, I love legends of tomorrow. I want to say I love arrow, but I don't nearly as much as I used to, um, you know, and Supergirl has been fantastic this season. Yes. I would watch, and part of my language, I would watch the shit out of a world's finest <laughs> television show. And, oh, definitely. and we would only have to talk about one show a week on our podcast. <laughs> there you go. Instead of four or five. And they could spare up some of that money for Supernatural and keep Supernatural. Oh, going. God. Do we really have to keep that going? <laughs> I love that. I love that show, man. I love Supernatural. It, it, I, I, I watched it up until like 10 or 12 episodes in the last season. And it was finally like, you know what? I'm washing my hands. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. How many times uh, can Dean die? Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I won't hold it against you. I still like it. So, but I, this isn't a supernatural show though. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, the other news that we have would be the new Avengers Endgame trailer, which I'm sure all of us have watched. 20 times. Multiple yes, times. Multiple yes. times. <laughs> At least three times today. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. That, that has me pumped for April. But makes me think, what is to come with the MCU? Now they're looking to do an Eternals movie. And with S.H.I.E.L.D. being gone, possibly S.W.O.R.D. coming in, which was in the comics, which is Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Well, I think S.W.O.R.D. is mentioned at the the end of Infinity War, isn't it? It was, yes. When he mentions Captain, when he's he's, uh, basically paging Captain Marvel. Exactly. So we're getting a setup of this where more of the galaxy-based movies are going to be more prevalent with the MCU, which makes me happy. I'm waiting for that Eternals movie. I really want to see what they're they're going to do with that because uh, a couple of the creators were really great out of it originally with the comics. I, I love that series. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, obviously within April we get, you know, 
everything else that we're looking for, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I know as far as the future of the MCU goes, you know, when it comes to Infinity War, uh, you can't really go much bigger than that. And, you know, X-Men, this is a huge year for me when it comes to Marvel. I mean, we're getting the, the wrap-up of Infinity War and the culmination of 10 years of, of the MCU. We're getting in the X-Men series mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite X-Men storylines, and that is the Dark Phoenix storyline. I'm really hoping they do this movie justice. Um, a lot of people are. I was too, but I, I still see it as a Fox market, and that's what an oh, air product. Is. But they always seem to throw things short where they don't get the regular Phoenix story right or anything like that. I'm hoping when they bring the X Men into the MCU. It will end the Fantastic Four and everything else in another 10 years. I know it's a long time to wait, but uh, the ultimate pinnacle thing to wait for would be the Secret Wars. Mm. But, uh, what, you know, similar to what DC had with uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Well, I mean, th- but- there's rumors that with Endgame, they're already setting up a lot of things for the next phase of Marvel. Um, you know, there's rumors flying around that Thanos is actually not the big bad. Of, yes. of Endgame, which would be very interesting, uh, because they're setting, I think I've heard rumors of Galacticus. I've heard rumors of a number of different things that could possibly be the influence of why Thanos is doing what he's doing. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, with the inclusion now of what from the Fox deal with X-Men and Fantastic Four, which I hate even mentioning Fantastic Four. <laughs> You've already (laughs) failed twice at that franchise, and your second attempt was even worse than the first. Um, I'm not bitter about Fantastic Four at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) it's uh, God, don't even get me started. Um, You could also bring up the Roger Corbin version. No, we're not going to. to. Um, I think you're going to see, and I would not be surprised if it starts with Endgame, Easter eggs of these characters. Because I think oh, they're yeah. going to start setting it up, and there's already been a rumored, uh, a rumor of a film in very early production. Of and when it comes to major storylines, it's not really one that's in the comics, I believe. But if they can create their own story around it of a Avengers versus X Men film, mm. uh, yeah, bring it, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's, because... it's you're going to have to recast Wolverine, but. Um, I don't. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's there's so much to look forward to in this new phase because pretty much Endgame is going to be the end game of this phase that Marvel has, and they're going to start a whole new one. <laughs> and from what we all know, it's you know this basically this new phase started with Iron Man. Oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just hope it. They don't get rid of them, or uh, we know somebody's going to be gone, but we don't know who. I, yeah. uh, you know what though, I'm starting to question that because, um, you know, uh, Chris Evans has said that he would continue playing the character, even though his contract expired. He has come out and said he did initially come out and say goodbye to the character, and then he kind of backtracked and said, "Well, uh, you know, I, I, I might do more." Hemsworth has already said he'd do more. I, I wouldn't be surprised if. There are no deaths in this. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised either because 
years ago when they were talking about Civil War, they were actually talking about Captain American Civil uh, Captain America Civil War, and then going into Iron Man Civil War. And but they, what they did was they combined both movies into one, and because it was negotiations with uh, RDJ, yeah, and he he negotiated with you know Marvel Disney and got to a point where he has his points and where he gets make you know makes his money from particular films where he is prominent in those films but it's not centered around him that's why we don't get another iron man movie yeah we're not going to get another standalone iron man movie um and i'm fine with that but it's it's funny because i actually watched the first iron man last night uh and as i was watching i had one main thought that came to my mind and that was good god terrence howard is kicking himself in the ass right now (laughs) yeah oh yeah he's been for years Um, you know, and he basically, he dropped out because it it was money issues. They were giving a lot of the contracted money. He was offered for three, he was offered all three films. Yes. Um, a lot of the money that they offered went to RDJ instead. And he, you know, faults the company about that for, you know, for, it was a money game, but at the same time, RDJ is also the kind of person, it was also the person that said, I'm not going to come back and continue this character until you up the pay of these other actors. You know, so uh, it's a money game, but it's not RDJ's fault at all, you know, because he's gone to bat for a lot of these actors. That was he was actually not going to be in the first Avengers uh, because that was that's what it was. He said, I'm not coming back. I'm not signing until you pay these actors more. Hmm. Yeah, he he stood up for people, probably because he saw the what had happened with Terrence Howard. So very cool, but yeah, he must be kicking himself in the ass right now, which makes me laugh. Because, uh, but you know what though, watching them, Don Cheadle's so much better at Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I've always loved Don Cheadle. Yeah, he's a better. I, the only other uh, piece of news that I that I had, and and it's it's probably even bigger now, uh, is that uh, despite all those negative reviews, you know, this is is this is this still the highest grossing movie of 2019 so far? Uh, like, I, Captain I Marvel. Think- I think the only movie that might have even come close to it is How to Train Your Dragon. Okay. Um, yeah, I hadn't looked hmm. at the numbers on that one yet. Uh, I can look them up right now as we're as And, we're of course, discussing. Avengers Endgame is is going to be coming oh, up. So, that's, you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> um, – But uh, uh, while you're looking that up, uh, give a couple of podcast recommendations. Um, speaking of Game of Thrones, I just uh, was in negotiations with House Podcastica today and i will be on hopefully if all the schedules work out i will be on the season seven episode seven rewatch of house podcastica uh their rewatch of game of thrones that's awesome so that is cool yeah yeah you've been on that that podcast a couple times haven't you been at least once i have yeah Kristen is Kristen is a is a great host of uh of podcasts yeah and i should know (laughs) <laughs> she messaged she messaged me this morning and uh, and asked if I was still good for that uh uh that podcast and I was like yeah and she so we kind of nailed down a date and we'll see hopefully it should work out here in the next few weeks. Uh but to answer your question yes uh, Captain Marvel right now is the top grossing movie of 2019. Okay. How to Train Your Dragon is in second so I was I was close with that. Yeah. Um, and it's not <laughs> Total gross in theater. Let's see. Opening weekend, uh, How to Train Your Dragon was fifty-five million. Uh, Captain Marvel was one hundred and fifty-three million. Yeah. Uh, total gross. It's it's a little bit different. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon is one hundred and twenty-six million. Captain Marvel's at one hundred and ninety-six uh, million. Yeah. So Glass was in third, and the upside was in fourth. 
Yeah. But let's again, we have to remember, as you mentioned, Endgame comes out next month. Holy crap, it's next month. Yes, and they're going to coincide, and they'll still be in the theaters, too, at the same time. Yeah, um, and I, I guarantee you there will probably be a number of theaters that will do double features. I wouldn't I, be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure somebody will run that. You know what they did with Infinity War was a couple of theaters here uh, ran, like, the whole all 20 movies oh, yep. or whatever it was. They did it here yeah. in Philly, too. You know, uh, and I'm like, that's just crazy. I don't know. I, I would actually <laughs> would not be surprised if there are, there are theaters that will do Infinity War captain marvel and then endgame that would be that would be a cool way to do it yeah 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 that is perfect we also have to remember on top of endgame star wars episode nine hemp's this year too wow yes this is a huge year for films and star and again star wars episode nine is like endgame the culmination of a story Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It is the final definitely. chapter, so it's Absolutely. it's a huge year. It's it's going to be interesting to see. I think Endgame is definitely going to be Captain Marvel, um, but it's going to be interesting to see which one. I do, I'm putting my money on Endgame. I think Endgame is going to beat Star Wars too. I think so. I think you're right. I think um, Disney's going to put a lot more into it because that's a franchise that's going to keep going. Um, whereas Star Wars, it, it has some other planned movies coming out but i i think you're right i I wouldn't be surprised if if avengers overshadows star wars this year and hey disney owns them both yay what (laughs) it's all yeah they own a lot house (laughs) has the money yep (laughs) well as we wind down here we've got uh some housekeeping things to do uh as as ben calls it on his his podcasts uh, to submit any of your feedback to us, you can submit your theories and feedback uh, to our Facebook group, which is www.facebook.com slash panels to pixels, or you can email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com. Um, and what have you been? I was going to say, we, we don't call them housekeeping. We call them cheap plugs, cheap plugs. Okay. <laughs> Somebody calls them housekeeping. Somebody calls it housekeeping cheap or plugs. cheap pops. <laughs> it's a house podcast that calls it housekeeping. Might be. I'm not sure. I, I, it might be house pod. I can't remember. I listen to so many podcasts. It's- but, um, yeah, I, I just want to wrap up my portion of this by saying I'm, I'm so happy that you guys are still part of the next level network. Um, I love having you guys on the network. I'm, I'm excited that I finally got to do a podcast with you guys. And I, I hope you guys have a long period of time with the network. Cause it's, well, and I thank you for it as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but can I plug some of mine real quick? Absolutely, please. Yes. Uh, yeah, the spotlight, which uh, the spotlight with Ben Beck, which is my celebrity interview podcast, uh, in which I get to talk to a lot of uh, people in the entertainment industry, which is a lot of fun. And I'm so excited because I'm I've kind of taken a break from it for a while, but I'm starting to get a lot of nibbles on the line for a bunch of people that potentially are going to be on the podcast in the upcoming months. Uh, I already have Robert Paulson confirmed for may which if you're not familiar with him is a voice actor from our childhood talk about the 90s um, yeah. you know animaniacs pinky in the brain teenage mutant ninja turtles like he's just if you watched any of these cartoons you have heard rob paulson's voice so i'm super excited uh i'm also in talks right now about uh, just a couple other names david hasselhoff henry the hoff the hoff is great i can't wait to hear that interview uh, David Hasselhoff, Henry Winkler, Scott Grimes from the Oroville. It's it's shaping up to be a good year for interviews, and I can't wait. And okay, I, I can give you a piece of trivia for Henry Winkler to see if he remembers. He should. Okay. But a, few, a few years ago on the Jim Rome show, 
which is a sports cat, a sports radio show. He came up and he actually won a listener's choice award from the Jim Rome podcast or the Jim Rome radio show, uh, from several years ago that, uh, it was a whole, there was a whole thing that went like through several days on Jim Rome's show, radio show. And he finally did call up, uh, and actually called up the Jim Rome show and got involved in it in his, I don't know if they've still stayed in contact or not, but that would be an interesting piece That'd be pretty cool to, to talk ask, about. To, to ask him about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to mention, I mentioned, you know, Kristen, who does House Podcastica, who does the Lost Podcast with me, which is a lot of fun. We do every week. But, you know, being panels to pixels and being about comic books, I talked a little bit about um, uh, DC Primetime, which we talk about all the DC shows. We've got something cool we're doing this summer. This summer, my co-host Rob and I, we are introducing the Primer Awards, uh, in which we're going to be doing a bunch of different categories for, you know, best episodes, best characters, uh, worst moments things like that. So we're putting that together. Now we're going to be putting out nominations. Uh, we're going to be putting out uh, suggestions to the listeners to give us stuff to nominate. And then we're going to put it out to the listeners to vote. So uh, look for the primer awards coming this summer. And if you want to check that out, facebook.com slash DC primetime is the best way to do it. Awesome. Cool. So how about you, Mark? Where can other people hear you? Uh, not only do I do this, I actually am on another podcast called The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. So we're in the towards the end of The Walking Dead season nine. So we're almost about to finish up this season soon. I'm excited. I like Walking Dead. And what I'd like to project to our listeners out there, if you'd like to hear a roundtable, because this is our first where we have more than just Steve and I. Yay! I got to be part of it! That's right, the first one. <laughs> so, uh, I was thinking for Endgame, we could actually do a roundtable. So, if Ben, if you want to come back, we could uh, have a few other people eh. that we are friends with and come on. No, I'm just eh. kidding. Yeah, I would come back. Eh. <laughs> so we could all just talk about that. That would probably be a monumentous and bigger podcast. So. If you haven't cool. noticed, I like to talk. So, yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> all right. Cool. So thanks for everybody for listening. I'm Mark. I'm Steve. And I'm Ben. <laughs> and this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.